People have been telling me I need a vacation and uh, this hat makes me feel like I'm uh, ready for the beach or something. What do you think? I can barely see you in that thing, man. That that is a that is a big bucket hat. I mean, and is that like a chicken up there? What is what is the emblem that? Uh, oh wait, that's a blue jay from Johns Hopkins. It must be one of the uh, the bits of swag you picked up from the game last weekend, which apparently everyone's still talking about. Well, there's a, a little picture of uh, four of these uh, bucket hats. Uh, Mr. Spivak on the left is uh, the uh, organizer of the uh, Blue Jays bar, basically. And you can see uh, that we have uh, some, uh, let's say, royalty. Uh, Luke Sherman, uh, the Campbell Trophy two-time finalist on the uh, right side of this. Uh, Will Leger, uh, who you all know uh, what he did last weekend. Uh, in case you yeah. didn't, we'll talk about it one more time in a second. Me and uh, Mr. Spyback there. So thanks uh, for their hospitality. But I was given this hat with the requirement. I was supposed to do it for crunch time, but obviously with everything going on this week, uh, we kind of punted it to the live show. But I needed to wear it on yep. the show and then put it behind me. So we'll be uh, moving this to back there after today, today's show. Uh, so thank you to him. So a lot of you reached out to us to say... Hey, uh, that field goal block run-in, was that really legal? I mean, how does it even work? Well, you know you've made the big time in Division Three when you lead up the video by Steve Shaw, the rules video that he does every week for the ah. entire NCAA. And I actually am going to uh, show the first couple minutes of this because uh, he also talks about the timing rule changes in NCAA uh, football this year and how it's affected each of the divisions, including the division that didn't change your timing rules, Division Three. So something we learned here real quick from Steve Shaw. Hello, I'm Steve Shaw, National Coordinator of Football Officials and Secretary Rules Editor for the NCAA. And today we're continuing our series of media videos for 2023, and we're going to be featuring game action from Week 9. Now, before we get into our plays, I want to give you a quick update on the impact of our three clock rule changes for this year. And remember, the expectations from the Rules Committee was, number one, to keep the game moving, number two, to modestly reduce the number of plays per game, and number three, to synchronize all officiating mechanics when it comes to working with the clock. So how are we doing? In FBS, we're averaging 176 plays per game, and that's down a little over four plays per game from last year, and our time is down right at four minutes per game. In FCS, we're averaging 171 plays, and that's down about four and a half plays from last year and five minutes on the clock. As far as Division II, we're averaging 170 plays, and that's down about four and a half plays from last year. And then Division Three, and remember in Division Three, we did not implement the first down clock rule change. And so plays for Division Three are actually slightly up for this year. But this is something we'll continue to monitor as we go down the stretch. So with that, let's get on into our plays. Our first play this week is from a great Division Three game. Muhlenberg is hosting Johns Hopkins in a battle of unbeatens. Both teams are undefeated, and after a very tense and exciting game, we're tied at 28-28, and the visitors line up to try a winning field goal with three seconds remaining on the clock. Now the kick is blocked and the ball careens directly to number 88 of the offense. He spins out and runs to the goal line where we see the line judge in perfect position and he rules touchdown on the play. 
Now, the question is, is this a legal play and a legal advance by number 88? By rule, if a scrimmage kick fails to cross the neutral zone and a punt and a field goal attempt are considered scrimmage kicks. So if the kick doesn't cross the neutral zone and it didn't hear, any player of either team may catch or recover the ball behind the neutral zone and advance it. And also, if the block of the kick occurs no more than three yards beyond the neutral zone, it's considered to have occurred within or behind the neutral zone. So the ball never crossed the neutral zone here. It was caught by number 88 behind the neutral zone. So this was a legal play. The touchdown is confirmed. It's an exciting or heartbreaking way to win or lose a game. Good goes on to tell you that... Yeah, he goes on to tell you that the Colorado play was indeed targeting uh, in the UCLA game, uh, number two, in case you're wondering. So uh, Sanders' uh, son was uh, correctly ejected from the game, but it will not carry over to the next game, uh, in case you're wondering uh, what the targeting question was. Anyway, uh, you can see now the Blue Jays' hat is uh, behind me here, so uh, we've lived up to our uh, promise. And uh, we're going to get a show started here because we've got a couple of guests coming up we got a lot of things to talk about here. A lot of clinching could be done this week, and if it isn't, it's setting us up for week 11 and what could happen there. So, JB, are you ready? Are you ready to rumble here for Season 16? Yeah, let's go, man. Of In the Huddle. So we're talking about clinching possibilities here, and uh, for those that want to hear what it sounds like to clinch and to see the jubilation, just a reminder here of how it feels from Andrew DiDonato of Grove City. I'm forgetting it. Congratulations on winning a college football game. <laughs> think about for your life the power of a vision. I want you to think about this for one second. That 2016 class that we say, the reason we say congratulations on winning a college football game, that 2016 class, 0-10, remember, 0-10, but on August 13, 2016, we said to glorify God in the pursuit of earning a degree, building lasting relationships, and competing for PAC championships in the midst of a long losing streak. And just think about the power of this moment. I know you've heard it before, but how a vision keeps you focused, a vision keeps you fueled, a vision helps you finish. You're 9-0 at 0-9. Brett Pinson, senior. Think about this for a second. He transferred in after his freshman year. He went 0-30 in his time here. 0-30. Think about this. Monday night of the last week of his senior year. Brett, why are you going to practice today? To compete for PAC championships, coach. Think about that. Think about your causes bigger than yourself. He went 0-30, but he went and practiced his senior year so that this program can compete for a PhD. Just think about that. Powerful. That's why we say congratulations on winning a college football game. To glorify God in the pursuit of earning a degree, building lasting relationships,
It's got a little dusty in here, Frank. I, uh, I don't know what's wrong I, with my eyes. Man, I've watched it three times cow. today. I've watched it three times today, Ooh. and I can't stop crying every time I freaking see it. Um, you know, we didn't That's talk amazing. much about Grove City clinching uh, on crunch time because of it was kind of a foregone conclusion from what happened last week. But let me say this to those guys uh, as we prepare here to uh, talk a little bit more about Region 2 coming up. Um, obviously we've grown attached to them uh, through the ECAC time and then last year finally me getting out there for a game and then coming back out there for the night game uh, this year and the absolute level of respect and uh, you know love they've shown us uh, along the way um, the, the viral video we had with them with uh, Clayton Parrish's mom uh, Kim and everything else uh, watching that has extra meaning for us here I think because yeah we don't pick teams per se okay we pick the fact that we love the players of these games across teams and that's what's important to us here on in the huddle and there are so many great players and people associated with Grove City to see them do what they've done is amazing so congratulations to them as you said uh for the love of goodness uh there uh take region one and let's roll (laughs) Yeah, so we have some interesting games that are coming up on Saturday, starting off with Curry versus Endicott. The Gulls, I believe, can clinch the CCC with a win against the Colonels. This, you know, not a gimme per se, but uh, certainly a game to keep an eye on. Bridgewater State versus Framingham State's an old MassCAC NEFC rivalry between two close-by schools there and Central Massachusetts. Bridgewater needs to win this game to stay alive in the uh, MassCAC title hunt. They have a win over um, Westcon, which keeps you know helps from a tie-breaking perspective. But the Rams could take their you know season out from under them. We'll see what happens. Springfield can clinch up in Vermont if they beat Norwich, from what I understand. Kings versus Stevenson. While it looks like the MAC title has been relatively decided, um, Delval just needs to win one of its next two games. This is an important. Um, kind of a seeding matchup for the uh, Centennial Mac Bowl Series. Um, so both teams still have a lot to play for here. And then this game at one, uh, at one o'clock, Husson versus Western New England for the Lobster Trap. It's one of the most unusual trophies you'll ever see for a rivalry game in Division Three. And, um, you know, we, we got this on here. I got to correct you on one thing. You said Western New England, it's University of New England. And one other thing, uh, if University of New England wins the game, then technically I think Endicott cannot clinch. They have to go to their game versus them in week 11. So uh, we have a few teams that could clinch kind of watching somebody else doing something. Susquehanna, for instance, if Lycoming were to lose to Moravian uh, this week, that would be a clinching scenario. Mm. Uh, So uh, that's another team here, Endicott, that's got that type of situation. But the Lobster Trap game is a big game for a number of reasons. And, uh, you know, not just a trophy game, but a a stay alive game for University of New England, who's had a very good season here. And that's my game of the week. I I put you down for this one because I thought you had forgotten to write it in. But I did. uh, Bridgewater State, (laughs) Framingham State, I thought would be uh, your pick for that as well. Let's go to our Region 2 and then bring in our first guest today because uh, we're going to talk a lot about this game that's right at the top. Yeah, and there's a big game in the uh, Midwest in Wisconsin that a lot of national attention will be directed to, but I don't think there's a bigger game, honestly, that could impact lots of different things um, for the seedings, the brackets, et cetera, than Brockport versus Cortland. This is a great 
Empire Eight rivalry. It's basically the championship game um, between the two best teams in the conference. And so I'm really excited to see you know, how this one plays out. I think you'll be on the sidelines uh, once again. Maybe you'll get a, a, a crazy miracle finish uh, like you saw last weekend. But either way, this is going to be a great battle between one of the best defenses in the country going up against one of the best offenses. And I can't wait to see how, how this goes. Elsewhere, RPI versus Hobart. Um, the Statesmen are out of the playoffs, but they could play spoiler to RPI. They have won 92% of their games at home. Um, they've never lost to a team not named Ithaca at, at uh, Boswell Field. So, you know, the engineers, last time they were in town, lost 10 to 9 in a, in a slugfest. They're looking to keep their Pool C hopes alive. This is another big game between conference rivals with a lot riding on it. Moravian versus Lyco, you already told the, the stakes on that one. F&M versus Muhlenberg. The Mules need to keep winning to keep their Pool C, C hopes alive. Hopkins versus Dickinson. Don't sleep on the Red Devils. They've been improved. Presley Edgers, uh, Egbers sorry, is a great quarterback for the Red Devils. Hopkins needs to bring their A game. Even though they, they were on this tremendous high last weekend, they cannot uh, fall asleep at the wheel. But I think if they win this game, Frank, they'll technically uh, win the Centennial. So a lot riding on that. Montclair State versus Christopher Newport. NJAC is a – I think this is a clinching opportunity for the captains as well. So – <laughs> Lots of games that you like there, um, but obviously the big one is going to be Brockport versus Cortland. We have a guest ready to go. I think he's just got to turn his camera back on for us, and we'll uh, roll with him here. We're going to talk about this yep. Cortland-Brockport Empire <laughs> 8 championship. Yep, absolutely. Raylan's Boutin, or Booten, excuse me. I, you know, I actually asked Coach Potter Booten. ahead of time. we got to remember, Raylan's Booten joining us here on In the Huddle, uh, defensive back for Brockport. Raylan's... Good to uh, meet you officially here. I've seen you play in person uh, once or twice, but uh, good to talk with you, sir. How you guys doing? Doing okay. Doing well, uh, I, I'm kind of ha I'm happy to see Brockport back in the discussion here because uh, there was a little bit of period of time here where you guys fell off a little bit, not much, but a little bit, uh, enough that we weren't talking about you in the postseason implications. And here you are sitting here realistically with a chance, a good chance, to beat Cortland, okay? I, you both lose to Susquehanna by narrow margins, which is kind of ironic when you think about it this season. And so I want to start with that question for you guys. What did you learn from that Susquehanna game, which was a great defensive effort, no doubt, but obviously it came up on the losing end of it. What, what did you learn as a team and as a defense in that game? I feel like it definitely humbled us because, as you know, we wasn't going undefeated after that game. Um well, the season could have went two ways. We could have just felt sorry for ourselves and just kept complaining about losing off of one touchdown, or we could just turn around the season and just fly around to the ball, um, play with good energy, and be the aggressor each game in and out. Raylan's one of the things that's really impressed me about the Golden Eagles this season is the fact that just – your defense seems to have taken a, another step from last year. You guys have only allowed four touchdowns in the last, you know, what is it? We're going into week 10. I mean, it's got to be one of the best um, defenses in, in the country at the moment. What is going on with, with that unit? What, what have you guys done to sort of take that next step? It all starts with practice, you know. Um, you know, we have a great D coordinator called um, Coach Fox. You know, he knows what he's doing. And we're just there um, just listening to what he has to say to us, um, being disciplined and all just doing our 111, every single play like it's our last, basically. 
Well, yeah, indeed. Uh, Coach Fox is uh, renowned, uh, especially in uh, Region 2, for what he's done uh, as that uh, D coordinator there uh, at Brockport. Coach Mangoni, obviously, overseeing uh, all the uh, different components there. And, you know, to a certain degree, you bought into this program at a time when there was an upsurge uh, going on with Brockport. And, you know, there's been the highs and the lows, essentially. What have you done, because you're viewed as now a team leader, what have you done along the way to make sure that what you bought into, what you came there for, has returned in the glory that Brockport's had has come back here? What have you done for this? Uh, Basically just staying consistent, Um, just trying to be the vocal leader that um, the team needs. Um, We only had a couple seniors coming back from 2019 to really understand what is really at stake. Um, really feel how to really feel um, being a bid into the NCAA um, playoffs. So just trying to put that into like the younger um, kids' heads to really understand what is really at stake. Yeah, and for maybe folks that aren't familiar with Brockport and and you, for instance, I mean, you're one of the most decorated players in Division Three. Uh, you've been a multi like three or four year All American, both preseason regular season. Um, one of the best corners, I think, in in the country. And I was looking at the game from last year. It was a very different kind of ball game than I think this year's will be. I mean, they they had a lot of success success running the ball. This year, you guys are allowing something like 50 yards per game on the ground. You know, do you feel like in in this matchup that, that, you know, your defensive back skills going up against this strong wide receiving core is really how this one's going to go down? Oh, definitely. You know, they have a great receiving core, uh, a lot of speed, um, a lot of height. So basically what we got to do is just keep playing what we usually do. Just keep playing Brockport football. We're not really changing anything, to be honest, because if it's not broken, don't fix it, basically. So we're just going to go out there and be very confident. Got a right to be confident, for sure, the way that you guys have been winning games lately. Uh, and uh, really, it seems like there's a maturity going on game by game uh, by your team, especially on the offensive side. Tell me about that offense. Tell me about uh, you know how you know the defense's strength has allowed that offense to mature to a certain degree this season and uh, what your relationship is with the offensive guys. Oh, well, with the offense, is, um, the, confident, the confidence is definitely growing. Um, we have a great freshman quarterback named Ben. We have um, this guy, we call him C-Mac. Uh, he's a sophomore, you know, he's a little bit more of a dual threat quarterback and he's coming out there and just doing what he got to do. We have a great receiver called Nolan. He's a freshman, um, Brian Caldwell. He's a sophomore and um, Rashad Law with Jimmy, also a senior tight end. He's been balling the last couple of games, um, really been an um, X factor for us. And uh, it, seems, it seems like the offense has been clicking ever since um, Sus. Yeah, it really has, and and a lot of the I think the success of the team that really does you know go to go to the defense. Our friend Brian Lester wrote a great article for D3Football.com highlighting you guys. I mean, you've had a couple of shutouts this season. I'm guessing there probably won't be a shutout on Saturday. Both of these teams are too good for that, but it's going to be you know probably a low-scoring affair. I know um, from my my buddy up there in upstate New York that the temperatures have started to get a little colder. It's not uh, you know it's not springtime weather anymore. So this is going to be an old-school kind of upstate New York uh, slugfest. I think. What, what do you what do you think? Well, it definitely is. I'm very excited for it. Um, just really want to prove the people wrong. You know, a lot of people is doubting on us. And 
we're going there with a lot of confidence. I know they are also. Um, it's going to be a very, very exciting game. I'm really excited. Yeah, well, I mean, what, what kind of crowd are you expecting? What kind of crowds have been showing up uh, at Brockport? And you're not that far from Cortland. Uh, basically, you know, down the stretch there, uh, down to the southern tier is uh, how you have to travel down there. About an hour and a half, probably, give or take for you guys. Uh, maybe closer to two, but not that bad. What kind of crowd do you expect uh, to be coming down there? Because last last time I caught this game, I think at your place, uh, pretty good stands, uh, but not not necessarily what I remember from a few years ago when JB and I were there for our game day live uh, versus Hobart. So what kind of crowds are showing up for these games? What kind of support are you guys feeling right now? I think it's going to be a lot of support. I think a lot of people is invested to our season this year. Um, since we've been winning a lot, I know they're going to have a lot, a lot of fans, you know, Heck, um, hackling, a lot of talking. So we're just going to go out there and just play football, basically. Yeah, I bet. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, to checking this one out. Uh, Raylan's one of the last question I would like to throw out at you is, you know, you are a, a senior, um, I think, maybe a fifth year. I'm not sure if you had like an injury red shirt or anything like that, but any plans for after the, after the season, win or lose, however it shakes out. I mean, like I said, you've been one of the more decorated players, any, any potential, you know, pro prospects for you, or you're just going to wait and see how the season plays out and take it from there. Well, I'm just going to wait and see um, how the season takes. Um, I am looking into strength and conditioning. Um, I'm a big into strength conditioning. So, you know, if I don't have any types of looks, you know, I'm definitely going to look into um, getting an internship around any other school that's looking for strength conditioning coaches. Awesome. Well, Raylan's Booten of Nyack, New York, uh, decided to go up uh, into a little bit colder temperatures uh, for school, but uh, has uh, really made a difference at Brockport. We're going to give you the opportunity now for any shout outs to family, friends, teammates, etc., as is our tradition here on In the Huddle. Take the stage, my friend. It's got a shout out to our coaching staff. You know, they've been working very hard throughout the whole season and um, just getting us ready for big games like this one. Can we give a shout out to Coach Potter? Because uh, he's uh, always uh, in our ear, uh, you know, telling us how bad a job we're doing and everything else, uh, much like I'm sure he does to the offense. But, uh, you know, oh, I mean, well, at least what I do. Uh, JB usually compliments you, but uh, Potter, Potter's pretty uh, much a scrutinizer of my stuff here. And uh, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be getting a text any second now telling us how we did with this interview, uh, Raylan. So uh, we appreciate you joining us. I will see you tomorrow uh, at Cortland. It will be a slugfest for sure. Best of luck to you and everybody that will be playing in that game. Thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Raylan's Booten, defensive back from yeah. SUNY Brockport. Uh, yeah, I, you can't sort of understate the fact, like, if you if you look at this guy's career, and, and I tried to play defensive back very briefly at, col at the college <laughs> level and was not good. What this guy is accomplishing in his career, all the All-American recognition, he's one of the best players in the country, period. And so, you know, the J.J. Laps and everything, you know, this Cortland offense has a lot of great – weapons um but if you got somebody like uh Wooten on your side that's a that's a good thing for the for the golden eagles so I was, I was happy we got a chance to talk to him and and uh man a few words but hey he, he you know he does all his talking on the field excited to see him play on saturday 
I, I can see him in the background still nodding uh, on everything you're saying there, JB. So I, I think uh, he's taking the high praise uh, very uh, well and humbly. So uh, Raylan's, he deserve all that high praise for sure. But let's see how it turns out tomorrow for yeah. sure. Let's go back to uh, previewing the week. Then we'll have another guest related to this game uh, coming up uh, in a little bit. And this is going to be uh, Region 3 we're talking about here. I added a game, JB, so let me t- uh, go through this one. Uh, Huntington ah, versus Brevard is an important game for uh, the USA South because Brevard is still undefeated in the USA South. As we said, the USA South has an interesting issue because Bell Haven has an extra game. And so if you have teams tied at one loss and one of them is Bell Haven, uh, Bell Haven technically wins because there's no head-to-head tie to even go to at that point. Uh, that's the way I read their tiebreaker. Yep. USA South can tell me otherwise. We know they're so great with their tiebreakers from the COVID uh, uh, spring, uh, that back one. Yeah. Don't get me started. Uh, why we even are playing an imbalanced schedule this year doesn't make any sense to me, but we'll just keep rolling. Trinity Sewanee. Yep. Trinity can uh, clinch the SAA with a win uh, on Saturday or in week 11. Bridgewater, Washington, and Lee is an important game with respect to rankings, uh, taking both of them mm-hmm. into account. And so how Region 3 stacks up is going to depend a little bit about who wins this game ultimately. ETBU at UMHB, and I talk about this in quick hits a little bit, East Texas Baptist controls their own destiny still in the ASC. If they beat UMHB and beat Harden-Simmons, they win the ASC and go to the playoffs. Okay, They could play spoiler here. And so the question becomes, how's UMHB feeling? Four losses after losing to the rival. Are they going to wake yeah. up from this, or are they going to be kind of sleepwalking through the rest of the season with these two remaining games they have? Interesting question. We're going to talk more about it later, I'm sure. I've got Bridgewater and Washington Lee and ETBU and uh, UMHB as my games of the week. You have picked Huntington versus Brevard. I can't uh, argue against uh, what you picked. I just I, I feel like the other two games are pretty darn important as well. I will give you yeah. Region 4. Well, yeah, Region 4 doesn't have a lot of action going on, but it does also have one of the biggest games of the weekend. Um, we'll start off with Alma versus Adrian, though, because the Scots can win um, their their conference with a, with a victory on Saturday. Trine versus Hope is interesting because, as we saw in the regional rankings, Hope is up there. They have this high strength of schedule. Maybe they're a pool C contender. We'll, wait. we'll have to see what happens on Wednesday when the, when the actual numbers come out and see where they are. If a win over Trine... It gets them to um, you know seven and two or eight and two wherever they're at. Uh, then then we'll kind of have to wait and see. But Mount Union versus John Carroll. This is the OAC championship game for all intents. Uh, and so you know the Raiders, Braxton Plunk. You got uh, you know the Blue Streaks and and Collins. I mean this is a classic matchup between you know two great teams in Ohio, longtime rivals. John Carroll with a loss could arguably still be in the pool C um, consideration, although apparently we don't take results. Like, what if it's a one-point win for the Raiders? Apparently that doesn't matter. We'll see. Um, yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're looking forward to This is going to be it's, – it's perfectly placed from a timing perspective because there are a lot of big games at 12, and as those start to wrap up, this one will be kicking off. So kind of just keep it rolling. And, uh, I mean, for obvious reasons – we picked this one as our Region 4 Game of the Week. 
I want to go back to Trine versus Hope, though. Trine uh, has a good record, and that means that the strength of schedule for Hope is not going down. And if they win the game, they go to 8-2 and yep. two and end their season, I believe. I believe this is the last game for Hope. Yeah, I think uh, so. I think this the... is their last yeah. one, too. Yeah, they've got like a week 11 bye, yeah. So imagine a world where an 8-2 and two Hope gets in ahead of a 9-1 Muhlenberg, perhaps, uh, if the stats start lining up in that certain way for them. I mean... I get that we're not supposed to use subjectivity, but there comes a point in this where you have to ask yourself, who are you playing? And what are you playing? And just because the team you face wins games doesn't mean that they're facing competition. And again, this is where statistics don't always encapsulate correctly in just a nine to 10 game season for these teams. So I'm not trying to, you know, down hope, no pun intended, but at the same time, I, I think what we've got going on here is uh, numbers that are not fully being, let's say, truthful as to the level of the team. And if 8-2 and two gets anybody in, I don't think it should be Hope. It's probably a couple other teams out there or 9-1, and one, uh, even with an inferior, yeah, yeah, exactly, inferior strength of schedule. Yeah, yeah. You, you turned it off the second time, I hate to tell you, you're muted. <laughs> um, St. John's. That's yeah. A, that's what, that was my St. joke St. John's, there. yeah. Well, they got to win against the uh, team uh, we'll talk about in a second. Let's go to Region 5 first yeah. here. And um, got some interesting games here for sure. Uh, Illinois Wesleyan versus North Central, maybe not really one of them. But Washu Wheaton, that could be an interesting challenge game right there. Lakewind, Aurora, uh, Rock, Rockford, Concordia. Yeah, I have a question Lake for Forest, you, Frank. Monmouth. Yo. So originally, I, th- I, I think I put the Illinois Wesleyan versus North Central game because I assumed, probably incorrectly, because that's what I do a lot these days, that the Cardinals can win the CCIW if they win this game. But I think they can't because they have to play Augustana in Week 11. And Augustana has only one loss to Wheaton. And so theoretically, if they beat North Central, they could create a sort of three-way tie, you know, tiebreaker situation. So that conference, even though everyone far assumes that North Central is going to run away with it, is not technically going to be decided until the end of week 11. Am I right, finally, or, or what? You are right, and I'm just checking to see what the tiebreaker implication of that was real quick here. Uh, possible of Augustana beats uh, NCC in week 11. Point differential between tied teams. Currently favors North Central. Augustana would need to win by at least 26 points to be able to win the tiebreaker. Yeah. Okay, that's not happening. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, Hawks. <laughs> sorry. But, go, Vi- go Vikings, no. but still, like yeah, that that's a little bit much. Um, so, anyway. But Washington U versus Wheaton is a big matchup in the CCIW. Wash U is, it is down a little bit from prior years, but... You know, they, these teams go at it pretty hard. Aurora, I believe, can clinch uh, the NACC with a win. Um, Rockford, Concordia, kind of a second place, you know, type of situation. Concordia, I think, might be trying to play into the um, the Lakefront Bowl if they, um, you know, obviously Aurora is going to clinch, but Concordia can get into the Lakefront Bowl with a win, I believe, because uh, they usually take the, the runner-up of, of that conference for this new Midwestern Bowl game, which is great because honestly, I think there's only two Midwestern Bowl games with Lakefront and Isthmus Bowl. We've got a bunch on the East Coast. Love to see some more in the Midwest. Like, you know, why why can't the OAC or the or MIA, you know, start doing some stuff, some postseason things? Anyway, Lake Forest versus Monmouth in the Midwestern Conference is is a huge game for both of these teams, um, and could end up deciding who gets that Pool A bid. 
Let's go to uh, Region 6, which you've put a crap load of uh, games on here. Uh, but those top two yeah. uh, right there are big games. St. Olaf, do not sleep on the Oles in this game based on how they almost took down yeah. Gustavus. Uh, they were a yard away from it in that two-point conversion last week in overtime. But go ahead and take us through Region 6. Yeah, well, obviously, Lacrosse River Falls is a huge one. Um, you know, if Lacrosse wins, they're basically a lock for the, the WIAC championship. If River Falls wins, it creates a ton of chaos, um, but keeps their season alive. A loss for, for the Falcons could knock them out of the, of the playoffs and send them back to the Isthmus Bowl, which wouldn't be, you know, the worst thing in the world. But I know they had higher sights set on that, especially after that week one win over UMHB. Uh, Oshkosh Platteville, always a great game. Um, you know, Carlton Gustavus is a is another good game in the in the in the Mayak. Concordia Moorhead versus Bethel is effectively a playing game for the Mayak Championship, so that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Linfield versus Pack Lutheran at four is a is an important game in the Northwest Conference, although you know the Wildcats will be pretty heavily favored. Same thing with George Fox and Whitworth at 430. Uh, Whitworth's still undefeated. They they, it just seems like they're on a crash course with Linfield in Week 11 to decide that Pool A bid. Um, but, you know, obviously no uh, secondary bowl opportunities for, for the West Coast team. So we both like the Lacrosse-River Falls matchup, but you're throwing in St. John's versus the, the Oles just based on, you know, how competitive that one could potentially be. And St. John's is not out of uh, playoff contention just yet. An 8-2 and two finish for, that, for them could keep them, you know, in, in the running for one of the very rare Pool Cs. We'll have to wait and see. I think you're on mute, buddy. It's, it, you are we, correct, we my friend, is what I was that. saying. Yeah, no, no <laughs> kidding. Uh, a couple things here. Uh, I want to uh, highlight, uh, and actually I'm going to uh, expand on it real quick here so we can all see it, uh, a, a uh, photo of uh, somebody that I think our next guest may not be thrilled to see uh, after what happened. Uh, there's uh, Coach Perkovich and uh, his family, uh, he, he, you know, Susquehanna Coach Perkovich. Mario. Uh, doing a little bit of trick-or-treating. Yeah, Mario. Yeah, and, uh, that's fun. We got Donkey Luigi Kong, I think, going on there. Princess Peach. Yep. yep, we got Donkey Kong. We got a, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's you cute. You know, let, let's, uh, let's ask our next guest uh, maybe what uh, he uh, would dress up as for Halloween with uh, his family, because I know... Uh, he has a, a, a full family uh, that uh, I'm sure enjoyed a little Halloween action as well. Coach Kurt Fitzpatrick from Cortland. Sir, good to have hey, you on coach. the show. We've been kind of talking a little informally throughout the season, but we finally get to talk to you face-to-face -face here on In the Huddle. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Great to be here, guys. Appreciate it. So what was your Halloween uh, like uh, with your family? <laughs> I, uh, well, coach Berkovich, I think they're on a bye week this week, so he, he has a little bit more a little more time. I got uh, got home about halfway through trick or treating and had to race out in the dark and find uh, find find my wife and, and three kids out there. Uh, and they had loads of candy, so it was a successful night for sure. Good. That, that, that's what matters, right there. Come on now. But uh, right. coach, you got a big game coming up here. Obviously, let's talk a little football. Uh, we had uh, Raylan's booting on uh, earlier. Uh, phenomenal defensive back. And one of the keys to the game, I, I know you're going to tell me about Jaden Alfano St. John and the running game and everything else uh, that's important uh, with Cortland. Uh, but, yeah, it's going to be trying to stop your multiple receivers for guys uh, like Booten out there. And, uh, I mean, I, I know you respect that defense that Coach Fox has at Brockport. Let's talk about this game and how it lines up a little bit. 
what what should we expect here without giving away the company's secrets uh, from uh, your perspective? Yeah, it, it's going to be you, you had a good a good guest there with Raylands. He's a phenomenal football player. Their defense is outstanding. Um, I don't think it's just going to come down to our offense versus their defense. I know, num you know, by the statistics, that's what everyone will try to focus on. But, you know, both teams are going to be focused on playing a team game in all three phases. Um, you know, I think against Brockport's defense, you got to try and stay balanced offensively um, to keep them keep them uh, keep them guessing a little bit. They're, they're, it's a challenge. They're uh, they're a really good team. Uh, Mike Fox is a tremendous defensive coordinator. He and I were captains together and teammates at St. John Fisher back in the day. Um, and he's a you know they they have a phenomenal defense, but their offense is also you know, coming on strong. The freshman quarterback that really kind of solidified their offense, and they like to run the ball and. Um, you know, I, th I think the, the keys in any big game, it's going to be turnovers and penalties and, you know, whoever makes makes less critical errors and, and special teams and, and, you know, some of the ball security stuff uh, is going to have a great chance to win. But this is this is going to be it's going to be a classic physical football football game uh, with two teams that desperately want to win the conference championship and, and, and punch our ticket to the NCAA tournament. So, you know, I know we're going to have our hands full and, and, and Brockport's going to be uh, going to be a hungry team coming in here tomorrow. Well, when I think about Cortland football and, and, and you, Coach Fitz, I mean, the, um, the one thing that stands out is, is some great quarterback play. I mean, you guys had a um, you know, great quarterback for a couple seasons going into this year, but Zach Boy is in, in this offense. I mean, you guys are averaging almost 53 points a game. It just, you know, so explosive. What's going on with, you know, with this offensive firepower that you guys are just sort of hitting things on all cylinders and just kind of, you know, every week it's, you know, you look at your schedule and it's, you know, 50 something points here. You put up 73 last, last weekend. I mean, man, you guys are an offensive juggernaut now. Oh, we've been playing, we've been playing well. We're, I'm, I'm fortunate to have, have some talented players to coach. Um, and we, we try to be as balanced as we can be on offense between run and pass. Um, balanced, balanced teams usually, uh, you, usually uh, you know, work, work the best. So we try to build that balance. Um, you know, it's, it, Zach is a tremendous quarterback, too. You know, he, he, uh, he's really, now that he has a year of experience, he's really, uh, you'll learn from, from last year's successes and failures and has really come back this year. He prepares extremely well. He's the son of a coach. Um, and, and, and really is a, is a great leader for our offense and, you know, weapons like JJ Lapp and Cole Burgess and Jaden Alfano St. John and our offensive line is, has been playing, been playing really well, our tight ends. Um, so yeah, you know, we, we, uh, we've been playing well offensively. You know, I, I think our, our defense is also getting healthy at the right time. And we've got some pieces in place now that we didn't have a few weeks ago. We were nursing some injuries back. So you know, I'm, I'm excited for our defense too, to, uh, to play tomorrow and, and, and prove that what kind of unit that we, that we can be defensively as well. I remember reaching out to you uh, during uh, or past the uh, Susquehanna game and suggesting to you that in some ways it may be a mixed blessing what happened in that game for you because I think that was a week that we had uh, you know a guest on from your uh, from your team and there are a lot of hype going on and everything else and I, I guess sometimes it can be easy to overlook good teams still on your schedule and Susquehanna is a good team no doubt and coach Perk uh, you know take no offense to the way I'm going to ask this question but 
do you feel like your team was overlooking things to a certain degree and they needed that kind of bite in the backside in a game like that to become what they have throughout the rest of the season so far? Uh, no, I don't think we were overlooking Susquehanna at all. They're a tremendous team. We knew that going into that game. Um, that was a really good football game. Um, and, you know, we just were a player too short at the at the end. And, and that, so I don't think we were we were overlooking them. But I I do uh, I do think in some ways, it, you know, you try to find the silver lining in anything as a coach. Um, and I do think there were some silver linings in that in that loss. Uh, you know, dealing with, with that kind of adversity and, and, and it, it's a humbling experience for sure. I think we needed that. Uh, I do think it's made us better. I think we've played better as the season has gone on because we can draw from, from those experiences. Um, you know, obviously going back, I wish we would have played a little bit better and, and won the game, but you can't go back. You know, once it's over, it's over and, and you have to try to make the best of it. I think any coach would, would say that if they were uh, the guest on your show today about a loss, you know, so we, we tried to move forward and knew that it wasn't it wasn't the end for our football team. It was, you know, we were, you know, we still had everything in front of us. And, and, and our goal was to, to play the best we could and, and try to win every game from from here on out. Um, and so you know, we tried to play a, a strong schedule, uh, played playing Delaware Valley in the opening game and Susquehanna in week three. I think help will help prepare our team for for these next two weeks and really tough games and the, you know, all the weeks uh in, in in the last couple that we we played we played good teams so um yeah it, it was it was a bitter it was a bitter it was a bitter defeat but and it, and it hurts losing hurts uh, especially in a game like that we had the lead we had it right there and, and susquehanna made some outstanding plays to to win that game and all all, all credit to them um but you know i i i'm confident that when we get in in in, in, in a situation with that kind of adversity again that our players and coaches will be able to draw on that experience and, and, and hopefully we can come out on top the next time. Um, although Brockport is certainly a, a, a really talented team, it's going to make it very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm really glad you got to join us, not only to talk about this huge game, but I know that you're uh, involved with the uh, Region 2 um, Advisory Committee or RAC. We just had the some of the playoff pairings that came out. And so maybe for the... Um, you know, the fans out there that are asking about this and that and the other thing. I mean, my observation was when you look kind of across all six regions, a lot, you know, there was a number of situations where conferences got three teams in, in, you know, pretty almost every region. Um, yeah. You know, I, I know you can only really speak for one and you're in one that's like the most loaded. So, I mean, how do you kind of you know, juggle that? We, you know, we've talked in the past where, you know, maybe it should be nine, but you know, now there's this new rule that we learned about from, from JJ. Anyway, I just wanted to sort of throw that out there for discussion since we had you. Yeah, great point. Um, you know, it's, uh, I can only speak for the, for the region two committee and I don't, I, I don't want to even speak for my uh, fellow, fellow committee members. Um, the first rankings are hard in my opinion. I think it's, um, because you don't have enough data and there's, a, there's a lot more data points that will come into play as, as this week and next week's games unfold. Um, but we, we, we just try to go, we don't look at it. Um, I'm going to try and say this the best way I can. We don't, we don't try to look at it like, you know, we want one, every conference represented necessarily. You try to look at every team the same and apply the criteria the exact same way to every team. Um, and at this point in the first ranking, uh, you only have so much data points to go over, um, 
you know, really it's uh, uh, win-loss percentage, strength of schedule number, and then if a head-to-head result comes into play between two teams or common opponents, the, the regionally ranked wins, you, that, that's, and we all know who has great wins against teams that are likely to be regional, regionally ranked, but when we did the rankings, you don't, you don't know who's going to be regionally ranked in, in other, other regions. And that, you know, so you only have so many data points to rank teams on. And so, you know, I know as a committee member myself, I'm only speaking for myself, it's going to be a lot easier in some ways next week when we do the rankings and the week after uh, because you'll, you know, some of the game games like Brockport and Cortland, you know, RPI and Union, I'm just speaking in Region 2 games that, that we follow, you know, all those, all those games will have, will have played out. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's ranking seven teams in region two is very difficult. I mean, it's, it's there, there's some really good teams that were not in the, in the first group of seven ranked that are outstanding football teams. Um, it's, you know, uh, but we can only use the data that we're allowed to use and follow the parameters that we're allowed, allowed to follow. Do you, Kurt Fitzpatrick, uh, not being a RAC member, do you, Kurt Fitzpatrick, think that scores should play some role in criteria because of the lack of data points? Oh, <laughs> um, I don't know. Yes, I do. You know, I'd be, I don't want to sit here and, and lie to you guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 do think scores, I do think scores should matter. Um, you know, I do think, and, 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 but, I, but I can, without bias, objectively you know be a member be a member of the rack and do whatever the ncaa yeah, yeah absolutely. You know, tells us to do but i do think i do think scores matter and and i don't think from from a you know does a five touchdown win or a four touchdown win that's not the difference the difference to me is a an overtime a three point you know you know a, a narrow one, one play here or there type of defeat or victory versus a you know multiple score uh, I, I do think there's difference there. I don't know how you can apply that consistently from region to region. I think that's the way that why why it is the way that way that it is. But um, sometimes, I, as a I, rack member, it does seem you know like if it's just going by the numbers, you know, why are we why are we spending two hours on a call every every week if it's just going to go straight by the numbers, you know? But it I is what it Barry is. is a huge I, I do love the process. Barry's a huge example because, uh, you know, uh, you'll look at Barry's criteria and the strength schedule kind of sucks right now. We know that. But we also see that they've beaten teams by with 60 points on the board and then take Trinity to the mat and, you know, Trinity finds a way up. And you can't tell me that that game is equivalent to a 50 to nothing loss by another team that might be still being in consideration for whatever reason. It, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It's a confirmation more than it is a, a criteria to me. It confirms that Barry's a good team, okay? The, the rolling over team 60 to nothing uh, weekly doesn't necessarily tell you a lot about teams. That's why I asked the question, because I really do think that th- this whole results don't include scores thing has been a little bit overplayed, and I appreciate the honesty, but we're, we're not going to yeah. suggest that you can't apply the criteria you're told to apply because you do it religiously every uh, time you get together with uh, the rack. Let's, yeah. uh, let's you guys, things you guys make, you guys make outstanding points, I'll say. Um, outstanding points on on all the regional regional rankings and i think the conversation is is awesome because it brings uh attention to to our sport and i love that you guys that you guys cover it uh, cover it so well and i will say that the 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 process of expanding our tournament 
uh, will help all the, I mean, someone's always going to be the next team that, that would have gotten in or should have yeah. gotten in, but you know, a team that's as talented, like, a, like, like Barry or like whatever, you know, whatever team is going to be left out, who knows who that's going to be. That's not up to me. That's Muhlenberg. Yeah. I mean, I it's, mean, that's uh, going to be a tough expanding, our, expanding our tournament to give us the access ratio that other sports have, I think makes a lot of sense and it will help get the best teams in, into the tournament and make a, a great tournament even better. Back to Cortland football before we let you go. Uh, what would winning a championship mean uh, after kind of the highs and lows that you've seen this season? I know this is not a rare thing for your team, but to be able to get back there into the playoffs to possibly rectify demons that occurred from the Randolph-Macon playoff game last mm -hmm. year, what would it mean to get back? Oh, I mean, it means everything, you know, not necessarily to me, but to our players and our seniors. Um, you know, our, the goal of every team in the country, I would assume, is to be the best you can be and win, win your conference championship and, and, and get to play bonus football in, in the postseason. Um, so our team's no, no different. We're excited to play this game. We're excited to, 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 to be in the position that we're in and, and hoping to play our best. Um, but, you know, we – we, we want to play more football and, 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 you know, this is our, our pathway to do that. Um, and just for our players and our coaches and, you know, everyone that works extremely hard in our program to, to put us in this position. Um, and we, we have a, a really tough opponent and a, and a great team. We're playing in Brockport. Um, you know, they're going to come in as hungry as, as hungry as ever. Um, and, uh, it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be a great, a great football game. And, uh, I, I hope that, I hope that we can play well, and if we play our best and uh, and win, so be it. If we play our best and lose, then it was meant to be that way too. Um, we're focused on us and, and trying to play the best game we can. But will it match Johns Hopkins, Susquehanna, or, or Johns Hopkins, Muhlenberg, excuse me, uh, is the question ultimately. <laughs> <laughs> because that's the new standard here. Go ahead, JB. <laughs> No, I think I think Coach had something to add to that. I was going to say, mention on that, you know, your coverage of that game. That gave me a great opportunity this week to kind of rehash some coaching points that we, you know, every coach goes over all those, all those intricate kind of details and nuanced rules in the preseason, and then that happens. And it, you know, I'm sure I'm not the only coach in the country that used that as a teaching moment this week in practice, just to, as a reminder that this, the, the the stuff that as a player. You know, JB, you may remember as a player, you think that's never going to happen, and then all of a sudden it happens, and it's so. So it was does. a great, a great reminder to uh, to our players that some some of these small details can can make a huge difference. So, not just that, officiating. Uh, our local high school officiating guy uh, reached out to me after seeing it on Twitter, asked me if uh, I own the video, and uh, I know the white hat from that game. Uh, he was contacted to make sure they could get some huddle video for uh, their own uh, stuff in the region. Uh, so it's actually amazing to see everybody be like, we talk about it all the time, but we never actually see it. And here it is right in front of you. One of the most yeah. important things uh, that went on in that game. And there it is. And it could happen to you too. Who knows at this point, but uh, JB, I'll, I'll do the send off here and say to coach at this point, thank you for joining us. A kind of short notice today, but we appreciate yeah. your time. It's a huge yeah, game. I will you. see you tomorrow. Can't wait. I've, I've had this circled literally for five weeks as I know where I'm going to be on the 4th of uh, November. And uh, we will see you uh, at Cortland. Uh, Fran already hit me up yesterday without me even asking. He's like, left you a press pass already. So uh, he knows I'm coming and uh, we'll uh, get like, you some good coverage tomorrow. Yeah. He is the best. Fran, Absolutely. Fran's the best. Um, 
you know, uh, and, and thank you guys for having me on uh, any time. I appreciate the all you guys that you guys do for Division Three football and, and uh, covering our sport. So thank you very much. Best of luck and thank you, Thanks, Coach. Coach. That's Coach Kurt Fitzpatrick joining us from Cortland. And uh, JB, uh, as we transition here toward predictions, first things first, let's hear uh, what the good folks over in Westminster have to say about songs that they're a little embarrassed to tell you they listen to all the time. What is your favorite song you'd be embarrassed to tell the team about? Work by Rihanna. Adele, Go Easy. Go Easy on me, baby. Lover by Taylor Swift. Swifty right here. Anything Taylor Swift. You know we go uh, super bass, Nicki Minaj. All you want for Christmas by Mariah Carey. Um, before he cheats, Carrie Underwood. <gasps> Betty by Taylor Swift. What? Glamorous by Fergalicious. Love Galore by SZA. Super Freaky Girl. Justin Bieber, Baby. Driver's License. Go to <laughs> Olivia Rodrigo. Invisible String, Taylor Swift. <laughs> what is Invisible uh, Wrecking Ball by Miley Cyrus. Girls just want to have fun. Uh, Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus. <laughs> it's Last Friday Night by Katy Perry. Uh, Vampire by Olivia Rodrigo. Right, Can I down? Good for You by uh, Olivia Rodrigo. Rather Be by Clean Bandit. It's a banger. Man in the Mirror by Michael Jackson. Love Story by Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, Love Story, or either She Belong With Me, or He Belong With Me, something like that. A lot of Swifties <laughs> there. Yeah, exactly. That was my takeaway from that whole thing. That was yeah. uh, definitely my takeaway right there. Uh, and uh, here's my takeaway. I, I need to catch up. And quickly, we've got 14 games in the queue here today. So we've got plenty of things we could disagree 14. on. We do, yeah, we do not oh, do this ahead of time, folks. Uh, that's why we actually do the whole rotation thing we do uh, in these. Because uh, we, we don't know who's going to pick against uh, each other on these things. So... Without further ado, uh, let's start up some music and get things moving here. And we'll get the clock started when I figure out how to use my software. I, I mean, after all these years, you'd think I'd know. And uh, then we will go and I put still have the first game problems. up. What are you going to do? Yeah, it's okay. Uh, CCC is where we start with Hussin at University of New England. I start this week. And so. I'm going to give UNE the edge here on the blue turf. I think that they are going to roll in to make this Endicott game next week interesting. Uh, I'm going to make it a high-scoring game, though, 42-40. I, I think it's going to be that kind of game. Yeah, I'd like to see the Nor'easters pull this off because of the whole potential you know, championship Showdown. game next weekend. But, yeah... I mean, Husson did play Endicott tough. They only lost by ten. Eh, I, I'm gonna go with the. I'll, I'll go with UNE. Um, I agree with you. Like high-scoring game, 38 to 35. This game is the game that you'll ha hear UMD fans say, "Go Bridgewater," <laughs> because if they get released from the three-way tie, then UMD has no ability to win probably their conference barring something else changing. Mm. This is a big game in terms of the implications and Framingham State could win this game. Will they? That's your question. Yeah, well, I, I think they, they didn't last year. Um, 
And so, I mean, and the, and the Bears just played pretty bad in the first half against UMD. Um, and they're on the road. Yeah, I mean, I've been riding with the Bears all season, so I think I'm going to stick with it just to keep things interesting, um, you know, keep that three-way tie in effect. But it's going to be a close call, so I'll take the Bears in a kind of more of a lower-scoring affair, like 21-17. I'm so tempted here. I'll pick Bridgewater. Uh, I was tempted to go the other way at home for Framingham State. They've just had that topsy-turvy season too. So I think consistency still favors Bridgewater here. So I'll go Bridgewater. Final score, 21-14, low scoring affair. Uh, the game that we've been talking about, Brockport-Cortland. I got this one first, I guess. Um, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to hear about it either way. Yeah, yeah. Either way, you're you're, you're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, easy for you to say, Mister. I'm going to stay home and watch all these games. Oh, okay. Uh, you should come up for this one, uh, Cortland. Uh, I wish. I, I just think I just think they have too many weapons on offense. Ultimately, I just think it's so tough to guard everybody. Even the game versus Susquehanna. Remember, they scored a crap load and had offense out the wazoo. It was just events at the end of a game that just panned out well for Susquehanna. Portland wins this game 30 to, nah, check that, 27 to 20. And Brockport hasn't allowed more than 18 points all season. And for me, defense wins championships. And they played Susquehanna just as close You're as doing this. certain ways better. You're doing this. I'm doing this. I am going with the Golden Eagles, baby. They're going to rue the day that they, they I took this pick. But, hey, you I just feel like you're right last week. This team has something going on. I don't know. Maybe we'll see if I can keep this thing together. I mean, yeah, being the home team favors the Red Dragons. They've beaten Brockport a couple years running. The last year's game wasn't that close, but I just feel like this year's Brockport defense is that much better. And, you know, if they can't run the ball and it's all passing, you got guys like Booten back there. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough. I think it's gonna be like a low. It's gonna be like that six to five, you know, Brockport Susquehanna game. I think it's gonna be like a ten seven, real knockdown drag out kind of fight. And I'm gonna what the hell? I'm gonna go go with the Eagles. Your reward for this is going first on RPI at Hobart. Good luck. <laughs> uh, yeah. So this is a this is a classic you know trap game for me because as a fan, you know, I obviously want my alma mater to win. They've never lost to RPI at home since Coach DeWall has, has run things. They're 23-2 on Boswell Field. Their only two losses are to Ithaca. For some reason, the Statesmen just have this bug with the Bombers. But, man, this RPI team is so good. And, you know, Hobart's been a little inconsistent. The, the defensive line is small and got dominated by Union. I picked, it, I picked Hobart to win a close one in the blog, but I feel like for the sake of these you know, picks, that this might be the time I have to go with RPI, just flip-flop. What? Uh, 10 to nine, engineers. If Damn I did that on quick hits, you know that I would not hear the end of it. You're waffling, Rossi, you're waffling. I mean, All right. you're really okay, gonna do I'll, this? I'll stick, with my, I'll stick with my Hobart pick just for that. 17-14, Statesman. That's what I said in my blog. I'll stick with it. I'm proud of you for that. 
RPI wins this game. Uh, their running game is going to uh, take control of that fact of the uh, defensive line for Hobart, I feel like. And then they're going to have Kazanowski go off uh, and throw a 50-yard pass uh, when they're sleeping on that. So I think RPI's got a couple opportunities in this game to really exploit Hobart's defense, wins the game 24-17. to Hopkins Dickinson, uh, I'm going to give Hopkins the nod, but I'm going to warn everybody it's not going to be easy. Hopkins on the road at Dickinson, as you said, Presley Eggbirds and company will not make it easy one bit. Johns Hopkins will win 25-21. I think the Red Devils were looking ahead last week and they, they almost lost to Gettysburg. That was a close one. I think it was like 28-25 to 25 or something like that. So the Red Devils will be... You know, tough, but I still feel like Hopkins just has a little too much talent with Day Harvey and company. They'll win kind of going away late, say 34 to 21. Presley Eckbert's former conference, the ODAC, Bridgewater at Washington and Lee. You start. Yeah, this game will have an impact on that uh, Chesapeake Bowl series about maybe who's hosting a game. So definitely a lot on the line here. I'll take... Um, I'll take the Eagles. I don't know. I mean, they, they made the regional rankings, so did Washington Lee, I guess. Um, and the Generals just didn't look like they were, you know, able to do much against Randolph-Macon, but maybe no one in the ODAC can. So this feels like a crapshoot. Um, I'll just go with Bridgewater, um, say, a higher scoring affair, 35 to 28. It's the first time uh, this season we're going to have, like, five-plus difference picks, I think, because I'm going Washington Lee here. I think the Generals have okay. uh, what it takes. I, I know they didn't really uh, show up well against Randolph-Macon last week, but who has at that point, too? Yeah. So I, I think at home, WNL gets this game in a narrow one, 24-20. East Texas Baptist at UMHB. I'm going for the upset here because I think this is oh. rarefied scenario error uh, for UMHB. And I think ETBU, looking at their scores, and granted it's not against the, the world beaters of the world in the ASC and beyond, but e ETBU is not a bad team whatsoever. And I think that this is going to line up to give us an interesting Week 11 situation. ETBU wins a narrow one here, 17-14. Wow, okay. Um, I'll, I'll just... I'll. I'll go with chalk I'll take the crew at home just because I think they they don't want to finish with a 500 record or, or worse um, so they'll play with pride I think um, you know the quarterback Faye um, will have a good game and so they'll they'll outlast the Tigers 35 to 21. Huntington and Brevard go I wanted to pick our, you know our friends the Tornadoes you can kind of see over my shoulder here but they only beat LaGrange by 10, um, and LaGrange isn't a great program. I think the Hawks are, uh, oh, yeah. Why didn't I get a helmet? Come on, man. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll go with the Hawks to kind of try to keep things alive in their season and hope that maybe they can catch a break with Bellhaven losing and, and sneak into the playoffs. Huntington wins 34 to 27. Yeah, I'm going to give Huntington the nod on this one, too. Uh, lower scoring, 14-10 uh, in this game. Trying at Hope. This is, this is that game where, you know, some of the questions we were asking Coach Fitzpatrick, I think, apply ultimately, too. I think Hope wins the game at home by a yeah. score of 
uh, a close one. But again, this is going to be one of those conundrums if we end up in a position where some 8-2 and two teams are being looked at and you have hope on the table somehow ahead of John Rocking Carroll her. in Region 4. Okay, because that could happen right now if they lose to Mount Union. Talk about that in a minute. Uh, Hope wins 21-20. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll take the, uh, I think they're what they call the Flying Dutchman um, or Hobart 2.0 with the orange uniforms. Um, I'll think they'll they'll win 35-21. to 21. Mount Carroll? Mount, Mount Carroll, yes. <laughs> That's, <laughs> we're just Mount merging Carol. names now, Mount right? Carroll Bowl, yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. Mount Union at John Carroll, you start... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with guys like Plunk and, and Raby Jr., it's hard to, to not pick the, the Raiders. I mean, Carroll's had a great season. They took Whitewater to the limit in week one. They're clearly a great team, but Mount Union, they're, they're a potential at least Stag Bowl um, participant favorite. They may not be a favorite to win the national championship because the the cards, but hey, um, I'll take Mount Union. In a, I think it's going to be a close game, though. Um, 21-14, maybe even overtime. Now this is this is a confirmation game for me for exactly what you said, because I've been saying since the beginning of this year it was going to be a rematch in the Stag Bowl, North Central, Mount Union. I don't always say that. Uh, Mount Union here, yep. I think, has a defense that is really, really good, and that's what the highlight is right now for them this season. 27-7 they beat John Carroll is my guess. Wash U at Wheaton. I think Wheaton is still the class of the uh, conference below North Central. Uh, Wash U couldn't yeah. even put up, uh, you know, any numbers against North Central. At least Wheaton had some level of success early in this game, in their game. Not much, obviously, with the way things turned out. Wheaton wins the game, 42-21. It's funny. I was thinking 42-17 um, when you said Fine. that. So I'll, I'll say the Thunder rolls. Wow. Lake Forest and Mammoth. Well, I mean, I think Lake Forest had the scare with Rippon, and they know that their playoff lives are on the line. So I think Coach Cat is going to fire this one up. It's going to be tough to beat Monmouth at home, but I think uh, LFC will get it done. Low scoring, 21 to 17. It's more than just a scare. They lost the damn game, and uh, they're still lucky to be alive in that conference race. Uh, Lake Forest does win from yeah. what they've learned from all this by a final score of... Uh, 24 to 10. Hey, Mammoth, kick to AJ Jackson. See what happens. Um, St. John's yeah, at St. Olaf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm going. I'm calling for uh, the Oles here uh, for the inconsistency we've seen oh. this year with St. John's. I think that we're going to have a situation where St. Olaf has the ability to win this game and will be able to capitalize on some St. John's mistakes. The Oles win. Mm. 31-30, I'll stay there. Yeah, I think this is a game where guys like um, Severson are going to be the difference maker. They know how to win late in the season. They know how to play in the playoffs, these kinds of situations. And the Johnnies still have some playoff hopes that are alive there. So Johnny Magic will help them win on the road in a close one, 35-31. to 31. We act lacrosse, River Falls. Big game, big game, big game. You go first. Yeah, uh, the Falcons playing for their playoff lives against lacrosse, trying to clinch a championship. 
I know we, we, we were kind of down on lacrosse at the beginning of the season. We thought they lost all these you know, great players, and so we didn't rank them in our preseason top 25. We look kind of dumb now. <laughs> well, what else is new? Um, so uh, Eagles, I think, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take care of the, the Falcons. It's going to be a close one, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick lacrosse. Uh, like a, what's, the, what's the famous score, 28 to 24? We'll, we'll go with that. Caleb Laha, uh, I'll tell you, what a game he had last week with those six rushing touchdowns, seven yeah. overall. He's making it tough yeah. because, I, you know, if he didn't have that game, I probably would have taken the result from the Wisconsin-Whitewater game and just applied it over to here and been done with this. Mm-hmm. This is a survival game for River Falls. If they win this game, they could win the WIAC, WIAC, whatever. They could, uh, because of the Rose Bowl rule. Yeah. Uh, and then it's yep. coming down to whether or not the three-way tie stays intact or not at that point. And if that happens, if River Falls mm-hmm. wins, then you legitimately do have the two-week possibility for Pool C, and that could screw the entire nation right now. Oh, for sure, yeah. Because look at what happens there. there. Yeah, well, I'm going to go lacrosse i won't be shocked if river falls upsets them uh 24 20 mm-hmm. is going to be the final score in favor of lacrosse but wow go ahead what do you got well i mean basically i mean whitewater's in the clubhouse they got to play eau claire and stevens point that are a combined one and nine in conference so um the warhawks are going to finish nine and one no matter what they're probably the, the first pool c picked you know depending on you know what happens here so that that one's kind of in the barn it's going to really come down to which team you know sort of not wants it most because obviously both team want it it's just going to be probably the team that makes the least amount of mistakes and capitalizes on the opportunities that they have i just feel like lacrosse has just been a little bit um a little bit there they've been tested with the loss to uh um harden simmons earlier in the season they've kind of i think that's kind of motivated them and they're 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 moving on Look, national implication games include that game, uh, Lacrosse River Falls. Yeah. Brockport Cortland has national implications because, it, more or less, yeah. Cortland at two losses could qualify still if they can beat Ithaca and yeah. not uh, win Absolutely. the conference. So that that's another conundrum that gets thrown out there, and that's where probably Kurt Fitzpatrick would say score should matter because the Susquehanna game was close. I have a feeling if they were to lose against Brockport, it's going to be a close game. And so we'll, we'll see mm. how that plays out. But let me tell you, these two games are going to help determine what happens in Pool C more than anything I've seen in a long time. Uh, and you'll want to tune into those folks just to see if you have any hopes in Pool C, what's going to start to happen here. That's where it's at. Okay, These aren't upset games per se or chalk games. There's no chalk to be found. Both teams in either game could win those games flat out. Absolutely. And so we'll see where this goes. Uh, how do you watch this weekend? Take it away. Yeah, well, like I said at the top of the show, there's a lot of great games kicking off right at um, right around you know noon. So just you know, get get comfy and sort of you know uh, lean on into what's going to be a, a great weekend um, here. One of the last uh, couple weekends of the regular season. So you know, starting off to kind of keep an eye in New England, what's going to happen with. 
Endicott and Bridgewater and Springfield, and will, will the pride clinch? Um, who is going to win this uh, lobster trap game <laughs> at 1 o'clock? You've got Brockport, Cortland, RPI at Hobart at 12. That's another um, you know, couple of great upstate New York games. Franklin Marshall and Muhlenberg and Hopkins Dickinson at 1, along with Montclair and Christopher Newport. Um, Brevard Huntington is also at 1. Uh, Trinity, Sewanee, Bridgewater, Washington Lee. You mentioned the ETBU, um, uh, Mount, uh, Mount Union. Mary Harden Baylor game at two o'clock uh, in 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 the southeast. Uh, Mount Union John Carroll at 1:30, and then you've got some of these two o'clock kickoffs, including Lake Forest and Monmouth, and then the Lacrosse River Falls. See, everything is kind of packed in um, to that uh, sort of 12 to four o'clock uh, hour. If you want to stay up late, there are some West Coast Red Eye games that may have you know an impact on the Skyac, but for the most part, tomorrow it's really going to be about you know, about a four hour period of lots of stuff happening. We'll see a bunch of conference champions crowns potentially, or we might see the nation kind of get thrown into utter chaos with some upsets. We'll have to wait and see how things are going to shake out. And I'll look forward to recapping it with you uh, next week. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you'll see uh, Twitter action for me tomorrow in my 13th game of the season down at Cortland for Cortland Brockport. Uh, obviously, uh, if, we, if we have an ending like last week, you'll want to watch for Twitter, uh, that's for sure. And yeah, then uh, don't forget also that we're going to uh, have another uh, Crunch Time show next week. Uh, talk about the regional rankings uh, part two, the actual rankings version uh, coming out and a whole lot more. So we are at that crux of the season, folks. Uh, election day is Tuesday. Don't forget to vote wherever you are in the country. And we will see you. Oh, one other thing. Go Scotties tonight uh, in their playoff game against Shenandoah. Uh, Obviously purple. an uphill battle. Good luck. But we will, we will see uh, what they can do there for sure. Take care, everybody. We'll see you throughout the weekend and then on our next show.